Overcrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know. Crossed up by Colby. Well, floated Shaq. And then Shaq goes like this. And the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, Stun. But I didn't make Don't my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clovercrest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. The Giants are running New York like the times as Danny is dropping all sorts of dimes. Saquon's thighs are ruining defenses' lives and Leonard Williams making opposing QBs feel him. Receivers think it's scary to line up across James Bradbury and the Giants have a bright future led by coach, judge, jury, and executioner. Tune in to Drawing About the G-Men every Wednesday at 6, live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Manning lobs it, Burris alone, touchdown New York! It's off to Leonard, defended by Simmons, is this the tagger? High fly ball, right field. Grossman back, track, wall, see ya, into the second deck, a grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge, and the Yankees are pouring it on. For the latest news throughout the sports world, tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Welcome to Sports Talk with R&J. I am Steve Rissolonga with Justin D'Onofrio. And it was a wild night last night in the NBA. As you thought before the game when Trey Young was ruled out, we're all thinking that, you know, the Bucs are going to go up 3-1. They're probably going to win Thursday night in Milwaukee. It's probably going to end up being 4-1. Bucs are going to cruise right to the NBA Finals. But that's exactly what didn't happen. The Bucs came out flat last night. They were down 13 at halftime. And then early in the second half, Giannis was taken to the locker room with a knee injury. And this series has changed completely as now this series is tied at two games apiece. Uh, great win for the Hawks last night. Bogdan Bagdanovich was outstanding. And, again, your guy, the Kings got rid of. Mm-hmm. Six threes he hits, he hits last night. Uh, Lou Williams did a really good job taking uh, replacing Trey Young with 21 points. Uh, and and on, then off the bench, Capella had 15 off the bench, bench, and then Gallinari had 15 off the bench. So the, the Hawks' bench was better, and it was just a really rough night for the, for the Bucs. I mean, they came out flat. Chris Middleton, how, for how good he was in game three, that's how bad he was last night. Over seven from three, only sixteen points, uh, and and it really, and it looked like Bootenholzer did not have this team ready to play. And and this has happened throughout this postseason. Bootenholzer, I'm telling you, if they don't win this series, there's a good chance Bootenholzer could be fired because I I think Nate McMullen has completely outcoached him in the series. He completely outcoached him last night. And right now at two two, it's tough to say who has the edge right now. But I think. I think if, if Giannis can't come back, I think it's definitely the Hawks. I think it's definitely the Hawks in six. It's so tough to predict the series. You don't know who's going to come back. You don't know who's going to play. But right now, I think the Hawks have the edge in the series. Justin, you agree with me that the Hawks have the edge in the series? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I agree with you. I got the Hawks. got the advantage right now just because of how flat um, yeah, Milwaukee was last night. You know, Look, I know Trey Young was announced hour before the game he was out. Um, and Milwaukee had a chance to step on their throats and pretty much, you know, 
put the nail in the coffin, and they couldn't do it last night. And they were flat. Atlanta came out, um, what, like a 16 to four run or whatever it was. Yeah, you know, again, who knows if Giannis, you know, hopefully he's a game time game time decision. But again, he's been battling it, you know, the calf soreness too, I believe. So I don't know if it's on the same leg, but we'll see what happens there. And yeah, for Atlanta, um, Bogdanovich, yeah, I. You know, and he should have been a buck, buck too. They had that signing uh, trade deal, and I forgot. I think it was Milwaukee. It's um, I forgot what they did. That you know, they took it away because Milwaukee violated something. Um, but yeah, that one will always hurt the King. Keeping Buddy healed over Bogdan Bogdanovich. He looked good. Gallinari looked good. Cam Reddish looked good offensively, and especially defensively. I love his defense and Elena's defense too. Um, they made Milwaukee shoot. Milwaukee cannot shoot at all. They took kind of away Giannis being able to drive. And the one thing I'll say about Giannis, too, of why I don't have him in my top five other than the shooting, is most superstars in that game come out and they do whatever it takes to win that game. They they kind of they have that, I'm gonna step on the opponent. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna put up 45. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna finish it myself tonight. And he didn't really – he's too nice of a guy. And I think that's another thing about Giannis, but hopefully he can come back. But yeah, I think Atlanta's at the edge right now. Exactly. And you hit the nail on the head. Giannis did not have that not-tonight kind of night. He didn't have that night that, you know, LeBron had years ago against the Celtics in Boston. He, he didn't even have that game that Durant had, you know, a, a week ago, a, a two weeks ago against his team. Uh, and then obviously they were lucky that the, the Nets weren't healthy because they would they, they would not be in the series if they were. But uh, yeah, it was just the honest just doesn't have that. I mean, and this has happened throughout his career when he was up two zero against the against the Raptors two years ago. He didn't have that kind of night. He didn't put them away, and you saw what happened. The Raptors won four. The Raptors won four straight. Uh, and then you know last year losing the first couple games before he gets hurt he couldn't he could the Bucks could not get control of that series so yes throughout his career Giannis has not taken over when it's counted or has not came out and taken over when it's counted and and really the big question is who do you blame do you blame Giannis or do you blame Putinholzer for the Bucks being coming out flat not only last night but coming out flat in uh in game three as well I put that more on and I know Players have to play, but coaches before they they got to, you know, I know an NBA playoff game, you sh- the coach shouldn't have to sit there and, and fire them up. They should be able to come out and play well. But I just I just didn't like their game plan. They came out flat. I didn't like their game plan. It just, you know, they just – and it was kind of from there, you know, that first kind of time out when they're down already 10, 12 points, and it was kind of like – you already felt like it was kind of over. Um, I, I kind of blame Boonholzer – you gotta, you know, you you know Trey Young's gotta be out. You gotta come out with the motive of we gotta bury these guys early. We gotta hit some shots early. They did not do that, so I do blame Boonheiser. Some of it, though, you know, you could put on Giannis as well. Um, he's got to try to take control in that game. He just couldn't even before his injury. It didn't even matter. You know, again, even Giannis never got hurt in that game. Milwaukee had was not winning that game. And I think the Bucks came with an awful game plan offensively in the first half. They didn't take the ball to the basket. They kept shooting threes. I mean, yeah, I know this is a three, this is a, uh, a league that's about three point shooting. But when you have a team without their best player, you got to be able to you got to be able to take the ball to the basket. They only scored thirty eight points in the first half. That's terrible. They got to be. They, they didn't take the ball to the basket. I think that was the biggest reason why they got behind, and obviously the biggest reason, biggest reason why they got blown out because once Giannis was done, 
And 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 we don't know the, the extent of Giannis's injury yet. Uh, we'll get to that. But yeah, we don't know the extent of his injury. But they probably felt like uh, d- d- down twenty points. Uh, don't come back because it's it's a best of three now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's there's no there was no uh, you know yeah there's no shot that you're coming back in that game. Just you know, give him the extra time to rest there. Um, yeah, get ready for like a best you know, now as a best out of three. Um, yeah, you know, and, and it was like even that first half, the few times that they did drive it, you know, I think you know, um, Atlanta took it away. Like their ball security too last night for Milwaukee was 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 horrible. Um, yeah, that first half they just shot threes, you know, and they're not a great team. They're only they shot what twenty percent last, get twenty percent last night. They're shooting thirty percent in the playoffs. Their offense has not been clicking in the playoffs, and it's been a problem. And it's kind of an area they 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 got to fix and. They should have been able to fix by now, but they have not been able to. Absolutely, absolutely. Now we'll talk about Giannis's injury, and it looked bad last night, but he did get back on the floor. So that begs the question, do you think he's going to be out for an extended period of time, or do you think he'll be back on the floor in game for Game 5? I think uh, I think we'll see him back on the floor in Game 5. I don't think he'll be 100%, but I think he gives you know everything he's got out there. I think – um, I think he knows how important it is this year is to him. They're right there for the or for an NBA Finals. They're right there. So I think he tries any way he can to play. I just don't think he'll be 100. percent Yeah, I, I probably agree with you there. I agree with you there. So yeah, we don't we don't know the extent of his injury. And Trey Young, do you think he'll be back for Game Five? I think he could be if he could play. I think there's a chance, but um, just I know they're right now calling a game time decision again. Um, but the way they played without him last night, you know, I know who knows things have changed very quickly in the NBA, but if he's not 100, you know, I, I think he, he loves been He's been a villain wherever he goes on the road. I think he does give it a shot. I think cause Atlanta's got all the momentum in the world. And I think he would love to try to, uh, take that crowd out of it early on. I think he does come back and try to play any way he can on Thursday night. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll we'll see what happens there. And uh, I think though, say say Young and Giannis are out, I'm going to go advantage Hawks because obviously Giannis is the better player, and I think that the Hawks are are, are the deeper team. And you could argue the Hawks starting five with with the way uh, with the way Bagdanovich played last night, with the way uh, Capella played last night, uh, and the way Collins has played at times. I think you could arguably say their starting five is close to as good as, as the Bucks starting five, and they're a deeper team with Gallinari. The Bucks, and the the the, uh, the the Hawks are a deeper team. So if 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 uh, if Giannis and Trey Young are out for for the entire series, I think it's advantage Hawks. Oh yeah, definitely. I agree with you there. You know, also you know Lou Williams had an outing. You know, he looked like himself. By oh, he had yeah, a great, the, great game. You know, yeah, that's yeah. so so. Yeah, I mean, he 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 really stepped up for Trey Young last night. Yeah. They did. So, you know, yeah, I think I'm with you. Atlanta's got the uh, much deeper team. And there's not really a guy outside of Middleton or Holiday on that and then um on that Bucks team that could really get you, you know, 15, 20 points where you need. I know, you know, Lopez once in a while can, but again, he's a big guy. You know, PJ Tucker hit a couple of shots early, but nothing else after that. Like the Bucks don't have much you know, outside of Giannis, you know, Middleton and Holiday, you know, do you talk about it? They got, you know, the Hawks at Capella, Bogdanovich, you know, Lou Williams, Gallinari, you know, even Reddish played well. Um, you know, they, they, yeah, they have those guys that could put up some points and I don't trust anybody else in the Bucks 
outside those three to really get 15, 20 points a night that's um, help, help the load. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So it should be interesting. Game five Thursday night. Game six will be Saturday. Will be will be Saturday night. So we'll we'll see what happens in this very interesting series. Uh, to make a prediction now, it's so hard to make a prediction now. I mean, I said Bucks in Bucks in six with 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 uh, Bucks in five before the series started. I'm gonna say if Giannis plays, I'm gonna go Bucks in six. If Giannis doesn't play, I'm gonna go Hawks in six. Justin, are you still with your Bucks and six prediction? I agree with you. If Giannis plays, I think they get it done in six games. If he's not, I think the Hawks win the next two and win in, win in six as well. Wow. Who would have thought the Atlanta Hawks, two wins away from the NBA Finals? It's crazy to and think of that. It is. And how does Nate, Nate McMullen solve the interim tag? How they how they yeah. not removed that from him yet? That is ridiculous. That is absolutely yeah. ridiculous. And the Pacers should be embarrassed. They should be yeah. embarrassed they fired Nate McMillan. That was terrible. That was awful. Yeah. They should and now at least at least, you know, they learned from their mistake. They got Bajorklin, they fired Bajorklin, and they and now they got uh, now they got Rick Car- really good uh, solid coach in Rick Carlisle. And he's back. He coached him in the in the early two thousands. But what a horrific mistake by the Pacers firing Nate McMillan. Yep. I heard this morning because I was kind of, or I was looking it up because I wanted to find out why why they even did it. I guess he didn't agree with the analytics department, and you know, it goes to show you, you don't really always need it. But yeah, it, again, terrible decision by the uh, Pacers organization. <coughs> yeah, the analytics lost out there. The analytics lost yeah. out, lost out, and 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 that was a horrible decision by the Pacers. And I mean, at least at least they learned from it, but still, terrible move firing Nate McMillan. Nate McMillan needs to be the head coach of this Atlanta Hawks team. It's funny to think of it. Lloyd Pierce was fired in the middle of the season, and now they're two wins away from the NBA Finals. Just crazy to think of it. Yeah. It, it is. You know, they look kind of dawn buried when they got rid of Pierce. But, yeah, you know, this team has really um, has really responded to having Dave McMullen as their head coach as, as the interim. And, yeah, they take it off and ran with it. And good for them. You know, good for uh, uh, Dave McMullen to find another, you know, find, you know, come back and find another job and just, you know, uh, Take this Hawks team that nobody thought could be here to two games away from the finals. Absolutely, absolutely. So we got to move on to the Western Conference Finals, and and the Suns had a chance to close the Clippers out on on a Monday night, but they failed to do so. Paul George was outstanding, forty one points for Paul George in that game against the against against the against the Suns. Uh, Marcus Morris stepped up with twenty two. Uh, and Reggie Jackson at 23. Uh, Devin Booker had a good game with 31. Chris Paul with probably his best game games since he's been back with with from from uh, COVID protocol with 22. And DeAndre Ayton didn't have a great game on. Uh, he only had 10 points on, which is a surprise with Zubats out. He only had 10 points on on Monday night. But going into this game, I still think the Suns are going to win this in six, and and here's why. I think Chris Paul and Devin Booker are going to have good games. And I do think DeAndre Ayton has a better game tonight. I think I think I think they, the Suns feed it to him, feed it to him inside. I think he has a, he has a better game tonight. And uh, I don't and I don't think for the Clippers I can trust Marcus Morris having the game having the game he had in Game Three, again the game he had in Game Five that having that same performance in Game Six. I can't trust Marcus Morris. And I think there's really two scores. It's Reggie Jackson and it's Paul George. And you, you, at times you can't even trust Reggie Jackson. So Paul George has got to be the guy. And I know they're at home, but I do think the Suns, I think they're motivated. They don't want to lose a, a second game in a row. They don't want to play a game seven. And I think the Suns close it out tonight. I, 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 I think they close out the series and they had to, and they make their first NBA Finals appearance 
since 1993, 28 years ago. And we all know who was on that team. Mr. Charles Barkley was on that team. So, yep. and, and Danny Ainge and uh, I think Kevin Johnson too. But uh, we all know Charles Barkley was on that team. So, I think the Suns get to their first NBA Finals in 28 years tonight. And they beat the Clippers and close it out tonight. But the first question for you, Justin, is what do the Clippers have to do to come back and win this series? For the Clippers, I I love their defense adjustments and staying with it. I love, um, you know, especially last game where they went small ball. It really worked for them. Um, you know, Patrick Beverly, you know, they were able to kind of switch off. And, and Beverly's been good against um, – get good against Booker, you know. Then they had George, Morris, Jackson. They did a really good job of switching off uh, and doing a good job on Booker. Um, I know he's four for six from three. He's still at 31, but I thought they did a much better job. He hasn't been able to drive at all. You know, I know some of it's probably with the nose and the mask and all that, but the Clippers have done a good job there. Um, And, you know, the small ball has worked. And the defense, you know, Beverly's really kind of stuck his nose up into, you know, um, Booker really made it difficult. So for the Clippers, they got to continue to do that. And then Paul George, continue to drive to the basket. You know, when he settles, it, you know, he goes one for nine, two for eight. You know, he went 15 for 20. He drove the basket. It opened up his three-point shot because, you know, teams were, you know, they're starting to worry about him driving. Again, I don't know if he's going to – he's probably not going to shoot 15 for 20 again tonight. But, again, keep attacking the basket like he did because um, Phoenix had a really, really tough do- time um, defending that the other night. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You have to drive to the basket, kick it out to some shooters, kick it out to Morris, kick it out to Reggie Jackson. If he can do that, I think I think the Clippers have a chance. I just I just don't trust really. I, yeah, I like Reggie Jackson's played really well in the playoffs, but I really don't trust anybody on this roster outside of outside of Paul George. So so uh, not with Kawhi being out. That's why I think the Suns get it done tonight. But here's another question. And this is a question for the Suns. What do the Suns have to do to close it out tonight? For the Suns. I think you know they need um DeAndre Ayton to get going again. Now with the way now if if Phoenix or I mean if LA wants to continue to play small ball, which I think they will if Zubac, I know he's oh they're going to they're they're going to play small ball yeah yeah so I you got to be able to open up you got to run some screens for Ayton and get him a good uh, matchup down low because he is such a great finisher down low. Phoenix has been great down the paint. You know the last game they outscored him fifty eight to thirty two in the series they're one ninety eight to 140 in the paint. So they've done a really good job in the paint finishing. Um, I thought without Zubac the other night, Aiden was going to dominate. I thought Phoenix was going to dominate in the glass. It didn't happen. Uh, they got to get Aiden um, some good looks tonight because, um, you know, I, to, well, they got to get him some good looks because he's he's pretty much been on a map when he's down low, especially against a favorable matchup. The other one is um, for, for the Phoenix Suns, is to get out um they got to be able to get out i think they got to score some transition baskets continue to um push push the uh push the tempo because um the clippers have uh, half court defense again since going down 0-2 they've made the adjustments like you know they they have and they've really they played well on booker and paul for the most part they got to get some easy looks. They got to be able to kind of score in transition, get some easy baskets. Um, just because they struggle in the half court, and I, I, I think the Clippers, if again they're going to go small ball again tonight, I think they could have some more problems again. They got to be able to get in transition, force some turnovers. Um, you know, just to, um, 
you know, to to try to get some good looks, you know, and, and a much and then the last thing is get off to a much better start. They had a chance to bury them and, and get, you know, without Zubak, they had a chance to really, you know, to win the series and get the finals. And they really they came down, they were down 16 to 4 in a few minutes, and it was kind of it. And they battled back with the Clippers kept answering every time that looked like the Suns were to take advantage. So for the Suns get off to a much better start tonight. And that's a good, that's a great point because that was the problem with the Bucks last night, and then obviously that was the problem with the Suns in Game Five. These teams, you know, the Suns, you know, you know, you know, they're inexperienced, but they can't win a Game Five at home, and it really can't bury the Clippers after they won Game Four. They can't bury the Clippers in a Game Five at home, so that's why you know the Suns are inexperienced. You know, I know Chris Paul has a ton of playoff experience, but no one else on this team does. DeAndre Ayton doesn't, and uh, Devin Booker doesn't. So you know, this is an inexperienced team, and they can't bury a team in Game in Game Five like that. So. You hit the nail right in the head. The Clippers got to get off to a really, really good – I mean, the Suns have to get off to a really, really good start tonight if, if they want to win this game. And, and the Clippers, the same thing. They, they got to come out just like they did in, in game five. I think whoever gets off to the best start, I feel like wins this game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for, yeah, the Suns, the inexperience, I think, yeah, with the inexperience too, it gives them, the, you know, the Booker's eight, it's kind of some confidence, kind of gets that crowd out of it. So, yeah, the Suns can take that early lead and then kind of vice versa for the Clippers, keep that crowd into it. So, yeah, I agree with you. Whoever kind of gets a few baskets early, gets that early, you know, eight, ten-point lead, um, it's going to be very good, really, really good shape to win, a game, win the game tonight. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and obviously this is, you know, Chris Paul – this is his, his chance to get to an NBA final. He finally, I mean, I mean, this is his first chance to get to the NBA finals. He's been in the league for uh, over 15 years. He has never been to an NBA final. So, I, I, for me, I think this is a great thing for Chris Paul if he can get there. Yes, it is kind of a watered-down run because, you know, the Lakers didn't have AD for, for the last two and a half games. Uh, the Nuggets didn't have Jamal Murray and the uh, – and. The, uh, the Clippers, the Clippers didn't have, have, have had Kawhi. So, yes, there have been a lot of injuries, but this still would be a great, great moment for uh, Chris Paul if he can get to an NBA Finals. Oh, absolutely. He's been one of the best players, you know, point guards. And, yeah, he deserves one. He's had a terrific career. Wherever he's gone, he's really turned that organization into a winner. Um, you know, so it would be really cool, and especially to do it against his former team, the Clippers, on the home floor tonight. Um, you know, obviously they thought Chris Paul, Blake Griffin would be the ones that, Get him that change. Whoever, yeah, whoever thought Blake Griffin was getting that ring, come on, come on now. There's no way Blake Griffin, he's so overrated. He wasn't getting in that championship yeah, he, ring. He was a great, uh, he was a great dunker down. Dunker. Down the but once the game changed, he didn't change. I mean, yes, he started to change with it, but it got too late. Yeah, it was, it was too late for him. But yeah, you know, when they had that, uh, with that out of you know Dunk City or Alley Dunk City, I think it was. I called it Lob, know, Lob, City, Lob, Lob City. Lob City, yes, Lob City. So, you know, Paul and Griffin were the guys, but you know, now now Chris Paul can uh, finish finish his uh, former team tonight in the home floor. Yeah, it's crazy to think. Yeah, it'll be, yeah, it'll be him finishing off his former team. I think it'll be, I think that that'll be nice because obviously they they traded him to the Rockets when uh, they they lost that series to the Jazz and, and the Clippers wanted to start over. They ended up trading him to the Rockets. So yeah, it'd be really really nice for uh, Chris Paul to, uh, to to get revenge against his former team. Yeah, absolutely. It absolutely would. Oh, without question, without question. So we'll wrap up our NBA talk talking about some of the coaching hires in the league this year, uh, uh, some of the new hires, Jason Kidd with the Mavs and uh, Chauncey Billups with the Blazers. And I don't know if some of these hires are good for the NBA. I think Jason Kidd, yes, he's had, he has a, he's had, yes, he's had a very checkered pass. That's one reason. And also Jason Kidd, 
Uh, for the Mavs, I don't think this is a great hire. Uh, you know, Rick Carlisle leaves. This is definitely a downgrade in a, in a head coach. I, I mean, Jason Kidd, I mean, he had two coaching staffs, Milwaukee and uh, the Nets, where he didn't have that much success. And uh, with the checkered pass, and he had Becky Hammond sitting right there, who's paid her dues. It would be a great thing to have a, to finally have a woman to become a head coach. But these two organizations chose to go in the direction of uh, of uh, Jason Kidd and uh, and uh, Chauncey Phillips. And I know I didn't put this question on the rundown, but I'll, I'll ask two of the well, I'll ask the, the Mavs question first, the Blazers question second. How do you think Luca is going to respond to the hire of Jason Kidd? It's going to be very interesting because, you know, one of the reasons why he got fired from the Bucks is, you know, he the relationships were, you know, he, he had roller coaster relationships in the locker room. And, you know, a guy like Luca that's kind of on the fringe right now, wanting to leave, wanting to stay, he doesn't have a good relationship with his coach, you know, a few months in the season. He's probably going to be asking to get out of town. And the other thing is, too, with Jason Kidd. Yeah, he got to the playoffs a few times, but he could never win the playoffs. They didn't, you know, he the the Maver the Mavericks don't need a coach to get to the playoffs. They need a coach to get them to the final the conference finals. They gotta be able to advance. They haven't done it in ten years. You know, they haven't they, have, they haven't won a playoff series in ten years. Yeah. And Rick, I feel like Rick Carlisle could have been that guy, but the problem yeah. was there wasn't a consistent two around Luka Doncic and the pro and and uh and I mean, I think Carlisle's a good coach. I think that what, what, what hurt Carlisle was is Dirk fell off after the after winning the championship. They draft Luca, and they really don't have a consistent number two. And when you're playing in a competitive Western Conference, and uh, the Western Conference is so competitive, it's hard to uh, it's hard to you know win a playoff series without a great second player. I mean, yeah, I mean, and let's not forget the Mavericks were a team with with Rick Carlisle that took the Clippers to seven games. That and that Clipper team was healthy. The Suns aren't playing a healthy Clipper team. That Clipper team was healthy. If they had just won a home game, imagine how far far this Mavericks team could have gone with Carlisle, with with Carlisle, who I think is a very good coach, and Luka Doncic. How, how far could this Mavs team gone? So now you're downgrading the head coach. Who knows what free agents you're going to bring in? So are you going to have as good of a chance to win a championship as you, as you did last year? And I think with this hire for the Mavs, the answer is no. I absolutely agree with you. You're, you're I, I, I agree. You know, I, yeah, Carlisle, I don't think got a fair shot. Or, or he got a fair shot, but yeah, I, I think you know. Again, I know players kind of own the own kind of are the owners now of the team, and yeah, you know, you made a great point about if they just beat the Clippers once on their home floor, they probably have a great chance right now to be in the NBA Finals. And I just don't know if Kid's going to be that guy again. Maybe they think Kid's a guy that can bring in another superstar with Luca, but I don't, you know. But you know, with kind of viewing of how he's been as a coach if he's got rule if he's kind of struggled to kind of get the team in the locker room i you know who knows I, I i definitely agree with you it's a downgrade right now from carlisle to uh jason kidd without question without question absolutely so for the blazers out the job there were two finalists it was chauncey billups and it was becky hammond and it would have been really really nice to see becky hammond get a shot because she's been an assistant coach of the san antonio spurs since 2014 so that's 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 seven years of being an assistant coach in this league seven years but the Blazers choose to give the job to Chauncey Billups, a guy who's had a checkered pass. Yes, I know he's worked for he's worked for ESPN and everything, but he's had a checkered pass. A guy with only one year of uh, coaching experience. He was in a season assistant with the Clippers this year. I, 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 if I was the Blazers, I'm hiring Becky Hammond. Do you do the same? I would too. They need they need it because of being Portland and they. They, you know, I know they have Lillard and McCollum, but they don't have a ton else around them. They're not a big market team. 
they have to have a great coach with X's and you know they have had to have a great X's and O's coach. And we've seen Becky Hammond take over. She's done a couple intern games for Greg Popovich, and they've done well. You know, and being under Greg Popovich for seven years, do you, you know she's definitely learned a lot. I probably, I would have gone Becky Hammond over Chauncey Billups because yeah, you don't know what you're gonna get from Chauncey. You know, it's not like the Blazers could really bring somebody in. They don't, you know, they're not a big market team. They can't bring in a third star with them. So yeah, I, I it, it was a very interesting move, and I I would have gone Becky Hammond in that spot. How do you think? Dame Lillard is going to respond to this hire. You know, um, it'll be interesting. I I think because it is Billups and he's been a star, I think he gives him a chance. I think he gives Chauncey Billups a chance in this team, but I think if it goes down south quickly and they're kind of, again, you know, around seventh, eighth place like they usually are, I think it could pop up that, hey, I, I want to get out of here. You know, I could I could really see that happen. I think he gives him a shot because it is Billups. He's been a star in this, in this league, so – I think he'll give him a shot. But, it, again, if it's just the same result again, I think he's going to want out. Yeah, I, I could see that. I could see another first-round exit, and Lillard is going to want out of there as fast as possible. So and you're already hearing rumors of Dame Lillard wanting out. So we'll see what ends up happening there. But we got to shift over to baseball, and the Yankees are really, really struggling. But before we talk about them, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Attention all basketball fans, CMG Sports presents the Posting Up Podcast, where Lucas Boldick, Sean Scanlon, and King Zay discuss the latest news and topics throughout the NBA. So, if you have a love for basketball, make sure you check out the Posting Up Podcast, live every Tuesday and Saturday on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Also available for download on every podcast platform. Looking for a casual baseball podcast to listen to? Well, Baseball with the Bard, presented by Clovercrest Media, has just what you're looking for. Tyler Bard and Noah Cross cover a wide range of happenings in the MLB and then dive into a deep focus on the Red Sox and Yankees. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for your weekly dose of Baseball with the Bard. That is Baseball with the Bard every Sunday at 11 o'clock, so make sure you check that out. And previously, the other promo was the Posting Up podcast. That they Check out their podcast from yesterday talking about the NBA playoffs. Uh, uh, Sean, Lucas, and Zay, check out their podcast. So we got two great podcasts right there, uh, Baseball with the Bard and uh, the Posting Up podcast. But we got to get to baseball. We got to get to the Yankees. And this happens every single time. The Yankees. We want to just completely rip them, and then they have a great game, like they did last night, winning eleven to five, eleven to five over over the Angels. But as a whole, this is this team is completely underperformed. Forty one and thirty eight, seven and a half games out in fourth place in the AL East. Something has got to be done right now. I I, I don't want to see Aaron. Honestly, I don't want to see Aaron Boone in the dugout anymore. I am so sick of Aaron Boone being the manager of this team. I want him fired. I know – I've said this all year. I know you can't fire 25 players, but you can't – so and I know it's not totally his fault. You can't fire 25 players, but I want him gone. He needs to be fired. I mean, this team is completely underperformed. Uh, it's obviously – it's obvious. There's no one in this lineup has had a great year. No one. You can't say anyone in this lineup. Yeah, LeMay is starting to pick it up a little bit. Uh, Judge did hit a home run last night, but he's not had a great year. I mean, 18 home runs, 42 RBIs. It's not even close to the year Vlad Guerrero Jr. is having. Uh, you look at John Carlos Stanton, typical season. He misses games, but he's not had a great year. No one in this lineup. Glaber Torres doesn't, can't hit for power. Uh, Gio Urshela has been decent, but he's not been great. 
Uh, Gary Sanchez has picked it up recently, but before he picked it up, he was absolutely pathetic. So just, just, uh, it's just absolutely terrible. And, and you know, it's going bad when you have your ace on the mound in a game you need to win. And Garrett Cole was absolutely terrible, terrible on Sunday against the, against the Red Sox. Terrible. That's when you know it's going wrong, when your ace can't even pick you up. So this team has a lot of work to do. Depth in the rotation is an issue. Uh, um, uh, uh, the, the offense is an issue. The bullpen has been pretty good, even though Chapman blew the save the other night and Sanchez bailed him out. The bullpen has probably been the strength of the team, like we've said all year. But depth in this rotation and this offense is is the reason why this team is 41-38 and 38 in a seven-and-a-half games out of first place. Yeah, um, it's it's been awful, you know, the way – and I'm going to go back to last Wednesday, that big walk-off win. You know, it looked like they blew it and it looked like, okay, wow, the Royals are going to, you know, take them out this series and win at least two out of three. They come back, a great walk-off. They come back Thursday, probably play one of the best games of the year. 8-1 win. Jameson Tyone looked really, really good. Then Friday night, I know it does some Bedroy and, and Fenway, and, you know, the Red Sox ended up getting to 3.30 in the morning, coming off a tough one nothing loss in Tampa – and they came out with so much energy, the Red Sox, and they, you know, they, they set a tone for the whole weekend. The Yankees really could have set a tone, and they absolutely didn't did none of that. I know that they came back in the second inning, but none of those runs were earned. You know, they came off of a Bogart's error. You know, again, they had chances all you know on Friday and Saturday to get back into it. Even Sunday, you know, they had they had bases loaded down six two, and again, two strikeouts. And you know, it's been the same story. It's, you know, I think they missed a Mashiro Tanaka in the back end of that rotation. Um, you know, again, because he was a guy you knew was going to get you five, six solid innings every night, every time he went out there and pitched. This lineup, yeah, in the lineup, especially I said there's a lot Monday night. They try to pull the ball every single pitch, and they can't touch the outside corner. And the Angels did a great job of, it's, you know, Suarez did a great job of just, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to hit that, that corner every time. They're not going to touch me. And they really didn't. Even in Iglesias made them look like little leaguers out there. They run the bases like little leaguers. The defense has gotten a little bit better, but still at times it looks like they're a little league team out there. And then it, it's like Boone the other night after Monday's loss is like, yeah, we're competing. This is Major League Baseball. It's the New York Yankees. They should be competing every night. They're making millions of dollars. You know, I don't want to hear about competing. They used to be winning games. And then at least Kazri came out and said yesterday that they suck because they do. And, yeah, Boone should be gone. This, this, you know, I know Glaber got a couple of hits, so maybe he, you know, starts to get going a little bit here. But, I, you know, before last night, I was just sitting there and say, look, he, he needs to go see a psychiatrist or something because he looks absolutely lost at the play right now. And it, it's it's bad. It's ugly. And, and last night helped because – it was 95 degrees and the humidity was off the charts, so the ball just kept carrying last night. But, again, I would love to sit here today and say, well, hopefully last night he turned it around, but Otani's probably going to go five, six innings tonight, shut them down, and they're going to lose, like, you know, 4-1, something like, something like that tonight, you know. Uh, just no consistency and it, consistency, and it's, it's a mediocre team. It's a mediocre team at best. Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely, without question. And the funny thing, funny thing with the Glaber Torres. Here's 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 a fun stat. He hit 38 home runs in 2019. Guess how many home runs he has since? Six, six. That's crazy. I thought he was going to be a stud. Six home runs since. 
his 38 home run season in, in 2019. And, and, and you're right. It's just, it's total mediocrity. When you have, when you have one starting one, one really good starting pitcher and that's Garrett Cole. When, and when you have a lineup that just can, that is completely underperforming. I mean, everybody in the lineup is underperforming. Uh, even judge, even judge is underperforming. Everyone in this lineup is underperforming. I mean, you have a bullpen that's good, but I wouldn't consider great because Chapman's blown a couple saves. So it's just, it's just not a great team overall. It's crazy to say that because we thought in 2018 this was going to be a World Series. 2017, 2018, this was going to be a World Series contender for years to come. Now this, this looks like a team that might have, might have to, might have to move some pieces. I, mean, I don't think, I think they're going to be buyers at the trade deadline, but they may have to restructure this team because it's just not working right now. Absolutely, I think you have to. You know, it just the matching, trying to match home runs every night doesn't work, and especially when you're trying to pull the ball every night. Again, like it just doesn't work. And I don't get why they do try to pull the ball every night because you have such a short porch out there in um, Bray Field um, for all the righty hitters that they can kind of just flick a home run and it's gone. But look, yeah, it's, I think you're going to have to make some changes. You got to put, you know, having nine power hitters in a lineup, LeMay is like the only one that's not swinging for the fences every time. Yeah, the, the but, thing about Lemayu though is he's but he's not he's hitting only two he's yeah. hitting two seventy one. You need a Lemayu hit at least over three hundred for this for this yeah. lineup to be to be a great lineup. Yeah, and that's and that's a problem. Yeah, it, yeah, and usually he's the kind of the tone setter. Always seen last year, you know, the last two years, every every first at bat he had a single or double, and, and something good happened after that. But yeah, it just it hasn't happened this year, and you know. Again, and it's it's two with this lineup. None of them go with the pitch. You know, none of them seem to have a plan up there. Gary's starting to. Gary had another one, I think, last night, even Monday. He went with a pitch and went the opposite. You know, he, he hit a ball, op, you know, opposite field. I don't know why this team can't do that. I think that's – I think that could be so much of the problem is they're just trying to pull everything, and it doesn't work. And for some reason, we keep trying. I know. And at some point – you gotta have a plan. I, I was, um, it was a Toronto Blue Jays manager saying, "Yeah, two years ago, Black Road did not have a plan. Now he has a plan. Every time he's up at the plate, he's laying line shots back up the middle every time. Why can't we have a plan at the plate? Why?" Yeah, and, and you're right about the approach of the plate. There's two, and, and you're right about the approach of the plate, and you're right about the fact there's two power hitters, uh, too many power hitters in the lineup. If you look at lineups like the Red Sox and the Astros. Look at the Red Sox lineup. You got a good ha- average hitter in Verdugo. You got a good average hitter in Bogarts. Then you got your power with JD. And and uh, and uh, endeavors and Renfro Renfro's been hit for some power too recently. So you so you got that. You look at a lineup like the Astros. You got the Altuve's, the Brantleys, and, and who are your who are your guys who can hit for average. And then you got your guys who can hit for power with you know Jordan Alvarez and uh, and Carlos Correa and Yuri Yuri Gurriel's done a pretty good job too this year. So, but the thing is, the Yankees they just have guys who hit for power, and and that and that and that is a problem. And another thing is, is who would have ever thought? Where would this team be without Gary Sanchez? And let's be honest. I mean, some some of the hits he's got. I mean, the big the big hit tie, the game tying home run against the Royals, the two run double hit against the A's, the home run he had against the A's to get them going. So I mean, they might lose both those games to the A's without him. They probably lose that game to the Royals without him. That game against the game against the Blue Jays where he hit where he hit a two run homer and they won that game. Uh, and so re- really, where would this team be without Gary Sanchez the, the last couple of weeks? They're probably under five hundred. Oh, you're absolutely correct, and. Yeah, you know, he, he's been on the tear, and he's kind of changed his approach to play. I, you know, he's gotten rid of that giant leg kick that, you know, has not been great. And then also with, um, you know, talking about Gary, as you bring that up, where's the accountability too? Because, look, Gary lost his job. You know, Gary you know, Gary was not starting in the playoffs last year. 
And, and look at him now. He got bent by he got you open. He's come back and had a chip on his shoulder. You know, I think that's another thing, you know, as well as we talk about Gary is where's the accountability for the other guys that are underperforming? You know, again, I know they don't, they have one other guy um, that's on like the, I think it's Creek Gettins, the only position player, you know, on the 40 man roster, you know, besides the other guys who are in the major league roster right now. But, you know, like, why don't you try it Derek Dietrich or a Hunru Park or, a, you know, somebody else, uh, you know, to try to wake him up because look what happened when Gary lost a job. He came, he came with a chip on his shoulder. Why don't you try doing something like that? Uh, I know, you know, Clint lost a job, but Clint really hasn't, you know, I know him and, and do are kind of been platooning, but you, you know, they got to try something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, just no one, no, no, yeah. No one outside, no one's really being held accountable for this. And that's, that's the real problem in this line. No, no one's being held accountable. This, I know they scored 11 runs last night and they won, but this team is just completely underperformed. But, he, but I think the person that's going to be held accountable and will ha- and it'll happen at the end of the year if the team doesn't make the playoffs, is going to be Aaron Boone. And I do think they need to fire him. And I, and, and I know I'm not, I know the Yankees haven't fired a manager in season in a very long time. They used to do it all the time in the eighties, but they haven't, I think, I don't think the last time they fired a manager in season was 90 or 91. Uh, but they, they haven't done that. They have not done that in a long time, fired a manager in season, but it, it may be, it may have to happen now. If this continues, it, it may have to happen. It yeah, It should. And I know, I know Cashman said he's behind them and he's, he's kind of throwing more blame to the team, but look, you, you know, again, you look at like the Red Sox, you know, Core's always coaching up his players when they come back to the dugout. I don't think I've ever seen Boone do that. Boone's like the giving the high fives. He's like a friend to him. And it's not – he's got to find some middle ground, I think, of kind of being a general but also kind of being a friend because, again, they're not scared of Boone if he comes out and yells yeah, at it's, him. It's, 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 and I know, I know Joe Torre and Joe Girardi were kind of players' managers, but they but players feared them. No. I don't think players fear Aaron Boone. No. No, I, I don't think so. I they they I don't think there's any of that. And yeah, that's that, that's an that's another problem. They don't, you know. Again, they're not, you know, they're not really. It's something when the he screams at them, they kind of just shrug off it. Yeah, and it's a guy who really doesn't fire him up. It's a guy that kind of makes excuses for all of them. You know, look, it, it's not a bad thing if you call out a guy or two. And I know it's probably the front office saying you cannot bury one of our players, but. Again, that helps at times to bury one of your players after something bad happens. You can't cuddle them. They're they're making million dollars. If they're really upset about you burying them for something bad that they did, especially with this team and how bad they don't, if they really have a problem with it, they should not be playing for the New York Yankees because again, you're going to get tearn up in this market. It's New York, it's the biggest market in the world. You know, get over it. You know, play better. I just you know, it, it's ridiculous. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Speaking hey, actually, of, okay, go I ahead. wanted to say one more. Actually, I wanted to blame Catherine very quickly for the two moves that. Gotcha. So with Adam Montavino with the salary dump, why in the world would you salary dump Adam Montavino to the Boston Red Sox? There's not one other team that would have taken him. The Phillies, I, I bet the Phillies answered the phone when he when they found out he's on the market, and he, he's he, you know when he's right, he, you can't touch him. It's that that was ridiculous. And then Garrett Whitlock, they kept um, Nick Nelson on the 40 man roster over Garrett Whitlock. And that that's another mistake. Let, let him get go. And, and Hein Bloom, Alex Cora has run circles around Aaron Boone. And Hein Bloom, since he's been in Boston, has had ran circles around Brian Cashman. 
Yeah, it might be just might be time for Cashman to go. Yeah, and it's absolutely time for Boone to go. That that's no, there's no question. It's time for Boone to go. I, I mean, there's no question about that. But we got to get to the other New York team, who the Yankees are playing this week, and that's the Mets. And I think a big reason why this Mets team is first place, it's not because they got Francisco and Lindor. It's not because of Pete Alonso. It's because of their starting pitching. Jacob deGrom is the best starting pitcher in baseball, and I'm going to keep saying that. I don't want to hear about Garrett Cole. Jacob deGrom is better than Garrett Cole. I don't want, I don't want to hear it. I really don't want to hear from any, any Yankee fans trying to tell me that Jacob deGrom, uh, that Garrett Cole is better than Jacob deGrom because that's false. That's false. The way deGrom has pitched this year, he's been unbelievable. 7-2. and two. ERA under one. He's going to win another Cy Young. He's been phenomenal. But it's also been – also, Strowman's been really good, and uh, and Taiwan Rocker's been great. So those three starters are a big reason why the Mets, you know, are in first place. Their bullpen, Edwin Diaz, has only blown one save this year. He's 17 for 18 in saves. So the bullpen and the starting rotation are the big reason why the Mets are the Mets are in first place. They just, imagine if, if Lindor and Alonso could get going, this team could this team has a, has a chance to compete in the National League. Absolutely, they do, and you know the net, you know, kind of had a comfortable lead. The Nationals are starting to catch them a bit here, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It's been the starting rotation. I know one, two, and three has kind of been the thing. They got to get you know four and five of David Peterson who. Pitched a little bit better recently. He still hasn't been great. And then I think their fifth guy right now is like uh, Tyler McGill or something. Uh, but yeah, if they can kind of get that fourth, fifth guy going in that rotation, yeah, they're going to be good. And yeah, the bullpen really hasn't been, you know, yeah, you mentioned Diaz has been good. Uh, Seb Lugo's been pretty good. Trevor May's been decent. Like they, you know, uh, Miguel Castro has been all right. So yeah, um, that lineup can get going, which Lindor's starting to get it going a little bit. I know they still want more. He's it's still down to two. It's average still two sixteen, which you know, for his caliber, is unacceptable. Still, so yeah, hopefully he can kind of get it going. But yeah, this Mets team. Yeah, I know the offense struggled a little bit recently, but if that offense isn't going, uh, again, yeah, they're they're a dangerous team that National League East, and they're in. If they can get Carrasco and Syndergaard back for the playoffs with that rotation, it's going to be pretty hard to beat because that offense is not going to have to score many runs. Um, you know, that's going to be a great, great rotation. It's going to be five guys that, you know, um, that, you know, are, are been really solid pitchers. So, yeah, the, Met, the Mets are going to be dangerous, and especially if they get to October baseball. Absolutely, and you made a good point. We don't. We, they they haven't even had us. They haven't even had uh, Syndergaard or uh, Carlos Carrasco yet. So once they get those guys, I mean, that's definitely going to be the best rotation in baseball. Oh yeah, hands absolutely. Down. Oh yeah, yeah. Hands, hands down, that's the best rotation in the game. Yeah, it will. And I, you know, I think they're hoping Syndergaard. It can maybe August, September. So who knows there? And Carrasco, I think. I think he's supposed to start throwing the mound soon. So maybe end of July, August as well for, for Carrasco. So you may get him for that kind of stretch run there. But, yeah, totally. I don't – you know, again, uh, you know, the Dodgers are pretty good, you know, one through five. But, again, losing Dustin May hurts. Milwaukee's got a great one, two, three, but that's about it. You know, yeah, there's nobody else that could match up the Mets right now, one through five, and it makes them very, very dangerous. Absolutely. So we look at the Subway Series, first Subway Series of the season at Yankee Stadium starting on Friday night. They play again in September. Uh, actually, they play on the 20-year the anniversary of 9-11. So. But, uh, yeah, so the Subway Series will begin on Friday night. You got Garrett Cole against Tyron, uh, Tyron Walker. Uh, you got Michael King against Marcus Stroman. 
And then Jamison Tyone against uh, McGee. I can't remember. I can't say this guy's last name, McGill or something. But uh, I, I think I think this is a series where I I actually think that uh, I think the Yankees just because of the way the matchups line up, I think they win two out of three. I think the Mets right now are the better team, but I think the way the pitching matchups line up, I think the Yankees win this year. Take two out of three in this series. Yeah, um, it's very po- I'm I I think the Mets win two out of three. I just you don't just really can't trust confident. this. Yeah, you no, can't trust I, this team. Yeah, you know Walker's been good. They got lucky they missed Degrom because they pushed his day up a day earlier so he could start the Sunday before the All Star break. So I so trying to make him make sure that he can't pitch the All Star game. But um, so they 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 avoid him. But uh, look, the thing is too with King, he's kind of falling behind. I wish they flip flopped. I wish Cortez started and then King came in because King's been great besides that first inning. Um, I think you know. King could kind of keep them in it Saturday. But, again, I just don't know what team's going to show up in the lineup. I know the Mets have kind of been up and down rotate or the lineup too, but I trust the Mets right now more than the Yankees to score runs. And, I, I'm you know, I think the Mets come in here and, and beat, take two out of three. I wouldn't go that far. I trust the Mets lineup over the Yankees line. I would say I trust the pitching. Obviously, I'll trust the pitching any day yeah. over the Mets, yeah. I mean, uh, Strowman going with the with Stro- with, with Strowman going and uh, Walker Walker going. I trust the pitching. I don't. Tr- I'm not going to. I'm not saying I'm trusting the Mets line. I'm still trusting, even though the both lineups aren't good. I'll trust the. I'll take the Yankee lineup over the Met lineup any day. But the pitching, the depth of the rotation, I'm taking the Mets any day. Yeah, I definitely the the rotation of that of the Mets. Yeah, with Walker and Strowman, they've both been good so far. I again, I just with this line, Yankees lineup. I again, like McNeil's kind of not been great. I know he's kind of come back from injury, he hasn't been great, but again, like when Door's kind of getting going, I just you know, again, the Yankees just make everybody look like a Cy Young winner. I think they scored 11 runs last night because of the weather in New York. I again, the ball kind of just carried, and it's supposed to be cool this weekend. Um, I again, I just I trust the Mets in a bigger spot right now to get get a hit, and you know, than right now the Yankees because you know the Mets aren't bad at putting the ball in play. No, no, no. That's the thing. The Mets put it in play. They can't hit home runs, but they put it in play. The Yankees they hit home runs, but they can't put the ball in play. So we'll see what happens. You were right last week. I took the Yankees two out of three against the Red Sox. You said Red Sox two out of three, and, even, and it became a sweep. So yeah. you were right last week. We'll see. We'll see who's right this week in the Subway Series. Yeah, I was gonna say Red Sox at the sweep, but I was hoping Cole would. Uh, Try to you know get get like a two to one win, but I unfortunately it did not happen. Yeah, everyone was expecting everyone was expecting Garrett Cole to pitch well, and he did not at all. But we got to go. We got to move on to a full first place team. That's the Boston Red Sox. Right now, they're in first place in the AL East, two games up on the Tampa Bay Rays, and they're playing great. I mean, Evaldi pitched. Evaldi's been their best pitcher this year. He pitched great on uh on on Saturday night, and and really their lineup has done it. I mean. Verdugo's been good. Bogarts has been has been great. Uh, Martinez has been really good. And and let's we got I gotta say something. Rafael Devers should get some. I said it last week. Needs to get MVP consideration. I mean, you saw you saw the way they started the game on Sunday. He hits a three run home right off the bat against Garrett Cole. That's a huge home run. That's that, that's momentum. He did the same thing in the first game. He set the tone of that. He set the tone of that series. He set the tone of the first Yankee Red Sox series with a three run with the, with a three run homer. Then he pretty much closes out the second Yankee Red Sox sweep with another home run. So Rafael Devers has been outstanding this year. He is an MVP candidate, in my opinion, for the Red Sox. And obviously in the bullpen, they've been good too with Matt Barnes. I mean, Matt Barnes has been really good as a closer. The big question is, the first question is, are the Red Sox the best team in the AL East? 
right now with glass now out i'd probably say yes i'm with do yeah i think they are i think the rays have starting to kind of you know get back to kind of normal here and start playing better you know like a seven game losing streak out west but i think the red sox are you know garrett richard was not great on uh monday he ended up going five and two thirds after giving up five runs in, in the first two innings he kind of figured some things out but yeah with that lineup right now um hunter renford batting over 300 right now in the month of um june you know martinez is just at, you know he's got 15 home runs and i think like nine of them came in like april like he he's only had six home runs the last two months but again he's just ripping singles and a few doubles down the line and yeah i this and the bullpen's been really really good josh taylor hasn't allowed a um has not allowed a run in his last 23 appearances. His last one was April 30th. So his last 23 appearances, he's not allowed a run. So Josh Taylor's been really good. You know, Whitlock's been good for him. Adovino's been good. Um, obviously, Barnes has been good. Uh, like the only kind of question, you know, even um, Darwin Hernandez has been better. The really only one is Matt and Teresa has kind of been the only question mark. Um, he's got Yasiel Rios from Seattle. He's kind of come in and been good at times. So, yeah, right now, yeah, the Red Sox are, and I think they're the second best team in the American League behind the Astros. And that leads me to that was actually led me to my next question: uh, <laughs> Are the Red Sox the best team in the American League? And I know they have the best record in the American League, but as as my article said this week, I said the Astros are the best team in the American League, despite losing, despite them struggling against the Tigers and the Orioles. I still think they're the best team in the American League because I think with Bregman back, that lineup is the best lineup in baseball. With with uh, with. Correa with Altuve with Bregman with uh with uh, Alvarez with the, with the way Gurriel's been playing the way Gurriel's been hitting too the way Brantley's been hitting I think that's the best lineup in the game starting pitching depth a little bit of a question but uh and, but the closer's been really good for the Astros so I think the Red Sox I agree with is are the second best team in the AL but I'm still going with the Houston Astros being the best team in the AL and they despite what you think of them and I know pe- and people should have the opinion they have of them because they did cheat they still, they, they still have, despite that, they still have been the class of the American League the last five years. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, even with the cheating scandal and that, they're still really good hitters. Even when they were cheating, they still had some really, you know, obviously without Tuve, Correa, Bregman, you know. And look, they lost George Springer and they haven't lost a beat. That was their leadoff here last year. They, they have not lost a beat without him, you know. So, yeah, again, and then you think, too, about, again, then they get like a guy like Justin Verlander, who could be back in October, maybe you add him into the mix in that rotation too. I know it's looking ahead, but yeah, they, there's still the class right now, the American league, they beat the Red Sox four out of six times, you know, or uh, five, out of, five out of seven. Yeah. Five out of seven. Uh, since we're more than, so yeah. And they kind of bashed them around. So I, I think the Astros are definitely right now the best team in the American league. Um, again, they woke up after they played the Yankees. They really started to play better after that. Um, they kind of three game series in New York. So yeah, I think this Astro team is, is the best right now in the American league. Yes. Yes. And going back to the Red Sox, going back to them this week, obviously got the two games at home against Kansas city and they got a big three game series They go on the road. They go to Oakland and, and Anaheim. But I, I think that I think they win the two games against Kansas city. I think with the way their season's going, they take two or three from Oakland. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I do see him win two out of three. The, A's won two out of three the first time out in uh, Fenway Park, but I, I think this time around, the way the Sox are playing, um, Oakland's been playing well too. It'll be a fun, uh, fun series next. Um, 
over the weekend. But yeah, I, I think the Red Sox, the way they're playing, they're able to steal two out of three out in uh, Oakland. To me, this Red Sox season is very similar to 2013. I think it's almost very similar because I remember back in 2012, they had Bobby Valentine as the manager. The team was terrible. The team didn't respect him. And then they then then in the offseason, they hired John Farrow, who was with Terry Francona as the pitching coach. And the team had a had a great year. Got, got, and guys overperformed. John Lackey had one of his best years. John Lester had a really good year. And then they brought in guys like, you know, the Mike Napoli, who had a great he had a great 2013. Mike Napoli had a great year. They still had Pedroian Ortiz, who had great years too. Uh, they brought in Shane Victorino had a really good year. So they brought in guys, you know, Victorino, Napoli. They still had the core that won the championship in 07 with Lester, Ortiz, and Pedroia. And then the closer was outstanding with uh, with Koji going 48-48. So I do think because the, that 2013 team didn't have high expectations, but they overcame them and they, and they had a great year and they won the World Series, I feel like we could be seeing some similarities from this 2021 Red Sox team. Absolutely, yeah. That team was not really talented. They came off of that. That was the year two. They or the year before they blew like that huge lead in the American League East in September. They kind of fell apart. They yeah bounced kind of yeah. Nobody really knew what to think of. They thought it's probably down year again for them. But yeah, they came out. They played well in 2013, and they kind of stunned everybody when the World Series. And then you know I think of them in of this team kind of 18 too. Not they they obviously do not the talent they did in 18. But it's like whenever they needed that clutch hit, that big performance, that big play in the field, they've gone and it's every move that they make has panned out. And I kind of make it similar to that team. It's just like everything's kind of just as well, just kind of falling in the place form um, as well. So, yeah, I, you know, that 18 team and 13 team, there's a lot of, lot of comparisons for that Red Sox team. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we got to wrap up our baseball talk with the story. Another, I mean, again, about the uh, illegal substance use, and we had our first pitcher getting ejected on Sunday. That was Hector Santiago. He he had a foreign substance. I think he had a, he had a sticky something sticky on his glove. They ejected him from the game. They've now suspended him for ten games. Uh, and and I'm telling you, pitchers got to start taking this seriously because the umpires. This is no joke. This rule's no joke. Uh, uh, pitchers are taking it seriously and pitchers need to take this seriously because the umpires are not taking this as a joke and they got to watch what they're putting on their hat and they got to watch what they're putting in their glove or they're going to be suspended for 10 games and the umpires set the tone on Sunday for that. Yeah, absolutely. They did. And, you know, I, I, um, I know he's going to appeal it, so we'll see kind of what happens there. But yeah, you know, again, and yeah, you lose that roster spot too. So they're down, you know, they got to play with only 25 guys the next 10, 10 games. So yeah, it, it you know, it really puts your team in a hole because yeah, you can't fill that spot. And yeah, the umps are really cracking down. I know baseball really wants to crack down on this, which, you know, I, I you know, I get, I don't like, the, I think I said a few weeks ago, I don't like the timing of it, but yeah, it, you know, um, they are, the pitchers again are not going to be able to get away with it. I know some of the guys do not like being checked and all that. I get it. I understand why, but, um, yeah, you, you can't really mess around out there. I know he he's claim Santiago's claiming it was just rosin and um sweat. I know they took the glove in the major league baseball, or whatever. I think they're still looking over it or whatever. So I able to find out what happened. But yeah, you know, again, um you're not gonna you're not gonna get away with any of the sticky stuff anymore. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, it just pitchers just gotta be careful of what, what they're putting on their glove and what they're putting their at because you are going to get caught, you're going to get suspended, and you're going to hurt your team because they can't use that roster spot. So watch what your pitchers got to be watching what they're doing from here on out. I know you, you know if you like the rule or not, pitchers got to be watched, got to be watching what they're doing from here on out. So we got the Stanley Cup finals is underway. 
and the Lightning had a huge game one. Before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Can you believe it? It hasn't happened at Fenway Park for 95 years. Fires. Swing and a miss. Right play. It's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Tune in to the newest show presented by Clovercrest Media. It's Ovi's Backstop Podcast. Catch it twice a week, every Red Sox series finale on your favorite podcast platform. The Closing Time Podcast is back. Sponsored by Rocky Hill Accountants. I'm Joe Aguirre. I'll have a brand new co-host, Sanam Salati, who's my broker, my mentor, and my good friend, and one of the most knowledgeable people in Connecticut in the entire real estate industry. We're going to be talking about the latest goings on. We'll keep you up to date on the market. And we're going to bring on some really great guests all throughout this season. People in all different fields in the industry, like accountants, home inspectors, mortgage reps, and so much more, just to give you a better understanding of the Connecticut real estate market. We're so excited for a brand new season of the Closing Time Podcast, part of the CMG Podcast Network. It's sponsored by Rocky Hill Accountants. Go see Heidi and Glenn Parchman to file your taxes for bookkeeping, business advice, real estate investments, or whatever your accounting needs are, including cryptocurrency. Just visit RockyHillAccountants.com. We'll see you all season long on the Closing Time Podcast. So the Stanley Cup Finals uh, got underway on Monday night, and the Lightning were Lightning came out and looked like they're going to defend their defend their title because uh, they went five to one over the Canadians. I mean, just a a great performance by the Lightning. I mean, they they started off. I think they they were up they were up like one nothing. I think they went up like four they went up like four to one, and they ended they ended up winning it big. They ended up winning it five to one, and uh, it, it looks like you know this might not this is going to be a quick Stanley Cup. It looks like it may go four or five games. But Justin, I'll ask this question to you: What do the Canadian do the do the Canadians have any shot at, in the Stanley Cup? I said they had no shot in Vegas. I was way wrong off that. I, this time around, I don't think they have much of a chance. Um, I think Carey Price is a good enough goalie to get them a game or two. As I said against Vegas, um, that series, you'd able be able to steal steal a game or two. I think Price could be able to do that again. Um, but they just do not have the talent that Tampa Bay has. They have good. They have um, a good four line mix, but they just don't have the firepower offensively to keep up. You know, um, Kucherov. He's already got thirty points for a guy that um, didn't even play in the, in the regular season. He's kind of he's came out and he's been great. Uh, you know, again, then they got Platt, Corn, um, Point. Braden point. I think actually Alex Lauren, um, after blocking a shot around his ankle, he's going to be out tonight. So again, it kind of a little bit helps the Montreal tonight, not having to worry about hit Kalorn, but you know, again, and Montreal kind of plays a really similar style to the Islanders of where they're going to make you, um, they're going to take away the middle of the ice against you. They're, you know, they do that. Um, they're going to make you go up the sides and they're going to try to, um, they're not going to, you know, um, they're not as aggressive as the Islanders, but they're smart. Um, they're smart defensively. They kind of have that diamond. They use like the diamond it's called in the penalty kill. 
Uh, then Doug Orbam standing around the net, they kind of just tip passes, they block shots. It, it's kind of like the Islanders do defensively. They don't have the firepower. Again, they three of the Tampa Bay goals on Monday night were off of turnovers. They got to play a cleaner game tonight. The puck was bouncing. It, it's going to probably be bouncing again tonight in Tampa with just the humidity getting in the building. It's going to, it usually does happen around this time of year wherever you play. Uh, but again, a couple, you know, just bad miscues by Montreal did not help, but I could, I probably see this thing ending in like five games. What player has to step up for the Canadians for them to be competitive in the series? They got to continue to get it from um, Nick Suzuki. You had just a great Western or, or Stanley Cup semifinals. Um, he closed it out with a goal and two assists in game five or six. Um, he's been a guy that's really has had, he's you know, 21 years old. This is, uh, Kind of big guy with the Knights that, you know, again, the Knights gave him up for um, um, Pacioretty. He's really coming to his own this year. He's played really, really well. Um, he's kind of the, you know, he's been such a huge anchor for this offense. Um, they're veteran, you know, and then I think, too, for their veteran veteran line forward, like Evan Stahl um, and Corey Perry, who have been out there a lot. I think, you know, they really need – the veteran guys tonight, to, or yeah, tonight to kind of set the t- tone, try to get because they played well in the playoffs. That line, they got to get them going. You know, they got to give some of these young guys confidence. It'd be nice, you know, they can get a goal early. You know, Price come up with some big saves, but um, you know that veteran line four. I think if they kind of set the tone, gives you know, um, they you know Macho could have kind of a chance to get some confidence going. Looking on the Tampa side, uh, you know what I mean. Uh, Kucherov, two goals uh, in Game One. Is he the best player in hockey right now? Is he taking that thrown away from you know the Sidney Crosby or the Alex Ovechkin? Is Kucherov take uh, uh, you know? Is he taking that? Uh, is he taking that spot as being the best player in the NHL? Because if you look at the Lightning during the season in their division, they were they think they finished in third place. I think they finished behind the Hurricanes and the Panthers. Has uh, has Kucherov? Has he taken that reign as the top player in, the, in hockey right now? It's a tough call because I think it's because because McDavid had such a rough postseason, but he got one, he got all 100 votes for first for first place as the MVP voting. Um, I put him and McDavid right there. Obviously, Kucherov. This is the second straight postseason he's had 30 points, and I think it's only the fourth or fifth times ever happened. I think he combined both of them. I, you know, regular season playoffs. I think Kucherov is. I think McDavid has so much talent. I don't think it was all McDavid's problem. I, Edmonton just had one line, and you know you can't win with one line in the postseason. No, yeah. Hockey's so different where you can't just have one player carry your team. You have you have to have different multiple lines play well. Like in basketball, you could have one player in the NBA. You can have one player carry your team and make a difference. One player in hockey doesn't make a difference. There's a reason Ovechkin's one of the best, greatest hockey players of all time. Only well, has one Stanley Cup. You just can't have one player can't carry your team. So I think I think. Th- I think that, 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 that I mean it, it 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 could it could help your team like Kucherov I think has helped the Lightning in these playoffs I mean he's made them a better team but you just can't have one guy carry your team. Yeah, oh, you're absolutely right. You can't. You know that's what happened to the or to the Oilers. That, that's all they. You know that's all really they had. Colorado really only had one line. That's why kind of Vegas came back and beat them. So yeah, Kucherov he's been great because he's got 20, 23 assists this postseason. He's got seven goals, twenty three assists. You know. He just has the magic kind of the magic stick, you know. That, uh, he gives you the puck, and you know it, it's going in the net. So yeah, I, he has really helped out this Tampa Bay team. He's got you know um, 
him and McDavid are just, it's just such a tough call, those two. But with the Lightning where they are right now and the way he's playing and the way the Lightning are playing, I, I right now I'd probably say Kudrow's probably a bit better than McDavid just because he's had the postseason success. And you've seen what he has brought. Because, yeah, you were right. The Lightning finished third in their division. Um, it was a tough division, but with Carolina and, and Florida playing really well, but he's been he's been such a big difference maker, and they were a lot better. I felt like than not a lot better, but they were better than Florida and Carolina. They were they were the better team. They deserved the win. So yeah, yeah, like Kudrow had made a huge difference in the postseason. Yeah, yeah, I was shocked when I saw like uh, when Carolina and uh, Florida were ahead of them because they clearly are a better team than those two teams. I mean, they clearly yeah, were better than Carolina. Than such a, oh, sorry. No, no, go yeah, ahead. Carolina had a better. Oh, yeah, Carolina had such a big year. Um, Lightning also had a couple injuries. I think McDonough was down for a while. I think he had missed, missed some time as well. So they they made they missed some guys this year, which you know didn't you know which kind of uh, didn't help. But yeah, because I thought Florida was a team that I was very surprised that they finished too. I know they had a lot of young talent. I thought they'd be a playoff team. I didn't think they were going to finish second. I thought Lightning were. Probably gonna want to win a win that division away, um, but yeah, it, for all the talent they have and all the offense that they have, the finish kind of third in that division was a little bit surprising. And I think they they got off to a slow start too. I know they kind of finished in the bubble, you know, kind of one of the last teams that's left. But um, yeah, it, it was very surprising to see this team finish in third place, um, especially because they were able to beat up on the Blackhawks, Red Wings, you know. Blue Jackets, but um, it, it was a surprise, and I think kind of the injuries had had a role in it. But as you can see in the postseason now, they've they were you know they they're the best team in that division and best team in, in uh, hockey right now. I, I, absolutely, absolutely. So my prediction is Lightning in five. That's my prediction for the Stanley Cup. What's yours? Yeah, I got Lightning in five. I think Montreal wins game three or four, but that that's going to be about it yeah i think i think they take one at the bell center because i think the crowd is going to be rocking in one of those two games but i just can't see them winning the game in, in this arena i mean i to be honest i wish it was in a way i wish it was the golden knights and it was the lightning because i think the golden knights would have given a better series yes the canadians are a team of destiny but they just don't seem to match up with the, with the lightning yeah no absolutely i'm with you i was hoping vegas was gonna be able to win one, but Vegas choked it again in the West. They did last year against Dallas. You know, um, they haven't. You know, um, so yeah, Vegas is definitely the better team. They would have definitely put up a better fight. Montreal, yeah, the team of destiny. They, you know, um, but it's trying to be the first. You know, trying to win their first ones in '93. But yeah, it's not gonna happen. They just do not. You're right. They just do not have the same talent. They have a lot of young talent, which helps, and they're gonna be back. But they're just they're just not ready yet. Nope, nope, no, nope, not, not right now, not right now. That's why I think this is a series that the Lightning win quick. But we're going to wrap up the show talking about a little bit of tennis from Wimbledon. And obviously, we got the big news with Serena Williams, you know, being out, you know, not, uh, withdrawing from Wimbledon due to a knee injury she suffered, an ankle, I think an, an, an ankle injury she suffered in her first match. So she is out of Wimbledon. And that's, that, that, unfortunately, that's sad. You know, she's 39-year-old. She's makes you watch. When it was Serena and Venus, that was a must-see thing to watch in sports when they would play in any, in any Grand Slam. Serena and Venus would be a must-win, would be must-watch. Now with Serena out, uh, it's just it's just not going to be. Unfortunately, it's just not going to be as interesting on 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 either side on either side of uh, 
uh, the men's side or the women's side because because the big match when Serena's in on the women's side, it's bigger than any match on the men's side in my opinion. When Serena's when Serena's when Serena's playing, it's 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 the match on, uh, in Wimbledon in my opinion. Uh, we'll see what ends up happening on the men's side, but definitely the women's side won't be as interesting without Serena. Absolutely, yeah, she's such a huge icon in sports, and it yeah, it's unfortunate and like. The Super Bowl of tennis in Wimbledon, if she goes down in, in the first match, yeah, it's definitely tough and it definitely stinks to see. Because, yeah, you know, she's much – yeah, you're right. Her, her and Venus was much watched TV. And, you know, she's getting older, 39, so it's unfortunate that, you know, it happened and the way she kind of left, it looked like she was in a lot of pain. And, you know, hopefully she gets better as quick as possible. But, possible, but yeah, it's a tough blow for the sport of tennis because – it's their Super Bowl, and you lose, you know, one of your top stars in Serena Williams. It, it's it's tough. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. It, it is hard, but that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R and J. For Jace Garcia, our producer did a great job. For Justin D'Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week previewing the NBA Finals, probably recapping the Stanley Cup, uh, and then. Uh, talking Yankees and Red Sox, and giving you NFL news that any NFL news that comes our way. Have it. Make sure you guys tune into the show on, on all platforms, on, 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 wherever you get your podcast, and have an outstanding July Fourth weekend. Manning lobs it. Burris alone. Touchdown, New York. It's off the Leonard. Defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? Oh! High fly ball, right field. Grossman back, track, wall, see ya, into the second deck, a grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge, and the Yankees are pouring it on. For the latest news throughout the sports world, tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group, and here at CMG we have a wide variety of podcasts including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men, and great true crime shows like Sticky Meek, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.